0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for life and leadership in Christ. My name is Tony, and I am your host. Today on the podcast, a dual threat. Two authors are always better than one. Terry Brisbane and Rusty Roof are writers of The Faith Code. And what it is, it's a pastor and a tech guru who come together to provide all of us a path to a sustaining, a soulful life. I loved this conversation. It's both a little bit tech. It's a little bit Jesus. Actually, it's a lot Jesus. And it's a lot leadership, which is what we're all about here. Integrating faith and life and leadership together. I think you're going to enjoy the work that Terry and Rusty bring to the table. Such a life-giving conversation. Hey, if you do enjoy it, do me a favor. Share this podcast with a friend. Maybe somebody who you know uh, values the tech world as much as they value following Jesus. I think that this will be a conversation that just might speak to them. So now let's connect with Terry and Rusty. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to have two amazing authors and leaders with me today. Terry and Rusty, guys, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast.
1: Oh, It's awesome to be here. Thank you, Tony.
0: Well, one of the things that I love to do is kind of start from a macro perspective. And, and Rusty, we'll start with you. Um, I, but I'm going to ask both of you guys to answer the question. And the question is, how do you define the calling that God has placed on your life?
1: Well, that's a great question. Because I think it's, sometimes it's, it's hard to know what that calling is, uh, much less define it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that uh, for me, when I think about the, the calling – um, and and, and we, we explore a lot of this in the, in the book, The Faith Code, um, because that calling is so much, uh, so many times intertwined with what we end up calling our identity, what our identity is. And so I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a believer that, uh, I don't know if you remember the old uh, Fidelity um, television ads where they had the green arrow. Where, like, you know, it's, a, it's
0: Oh, you know, sure, the path follow, that you're on.
1: Yeah. You know, the path that you're on, right? And that if you, you know, followed that path, you know, fidelity will go, oh, at the end of it, you will have, you know, your financial freedom that you want. Well, I, I, I tend to look at that as God's, way God's will is as well, mm-hmm. is, is that he lays in front of us a path, that path being one that we discern through um, his, his word, um, through fellowship with others. Through our prayer time, through our church time, through good advice and counsel, and that that as we step onto that path, if we stay on that path, um, we will the best we can be be in God's will.
2: Mm. That, that we will be
1: in God's will, and inside of that will be this this direction that we go, which will take our talents, our skills the intellect that we've been given the emotional quotient that we've been given our ability to relate and communicate with others and God will reveal how those things can come together which ultimately would feel like our calling and I think that I think that um, there are those who probably would say oh I can quite quickly understand my calling because my calling was very clear to me But God spoke to me and said, I'm supposed to be this or do that. And then there are others of us that walk on that path the best we can that God reveals and says, I've called you. Come follow me, because that's the voice that's in front of us. Come follow me, um, and I will reveal to you what I I want you to do with all that that you've been given. And um, so... You know, to say that there's a very clear definition for me, um, it it would be it is the process of following Mm. and listening and discerning. And and at the end, somewhere along in that in that way, we feel called.
0: I love that. I love the idea of like that uh, joyful obedience is the word that I was thinking about as I was hearing you talk about it. Uh, Terry, what what about you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to look at it from the uh, flip side. Uh, I I do believe in clarity of calling, and um, I think that it's something that is both forged and formed. I'll say that one more time. Something that's both forged and formed. It's something that that happens frequently when we are following the Lord. We get a sense of a purpose. We get a clearer sense of assignment, and it can be seasonal, or at times it can be for our life. In my case— it, it was a life calling. And uh, I, I say that with humility, I, I, in fact, it, bec- it became an issue of defining what ultimately success was going to look like in my life. And I can refer mm-hmm. back specifically to a moment when I was, and I'm sure many of your audience, Tony, uh, or at least more than a few might be able to relate to something of what I'm saying, but I was a, a, a follower of Jesus. I really gave my life to Christ in a way um, that was significant when I was in high school. I made a decision. I was touched, if I could say it, by the Lord in such a way that it became clear to me that I had to follow him. And so one of the things that happened to me when I was uh, in my sophomore year, I I was, I was got this verse. Uh, I was on my way to a chapel, actually, and I, it was at a camp. And I remember it still to this day. And I was reading a devotional. The devotional was by a guy named Vance Havener. It's, he, the only way you would know about him Many of the readers would be that he was Billy Graham's favorite preacher. There you go. Mm. And he wrote this devotional called Day by Day. And it was a one-page entry. There was a verse in there from Luke 22, 31 and 32. And I read it. And uh, initially, it won't seem like much to—maybe it won't make sense to everyone. But it was when Jesus says, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. Mm. But I have prayed for you. And when you are restored, strengthen your brethren. And it was one of those moments, and I agree, it doesn't happen all the time, very rarely has happened in my life, but it was really clear to me, the Lord, that phrase, strengthen your brethren, that that became a key word in my life. And it was almost as if I walked away from that moment with an understanding that I could succeed, I could prosper, I could achieve. And if I failed to honor that word, I would be a failure. But I could not necessarily have success in the eyes of other human beings or maybe even how culture or society views success. But if I honored that word, a commitment to strengthen your brethren, um, if I did that faithfully, albeit imperfectly, but if I sought to honor that as the priority of my life, then in the Lord's eyes, I would be a success. And so um, I have committed by grace, uh, to that, uh, to that calling in the city of San Francisco. And that has been my life that is my testimony. That is my call.
0: That's so good. I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, it, it's a great transition into my next kind of question is you, you guys both live and do ministry and work in San Francisco. Uh, it's, it's not known for being one of the most friendliest cities to Christians. Uh, What's it like um, being a little bit of an anomaly, or or maybe you maybe I'm wrong in that impression? Like, give give us kind of the background, uh, Terry. We'll, we'll start with you first. Sure. What what is um, what is the the work that is you're happening in in San Francisco, and how might it be different than you know I, I'm in Ohio, so yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm you know it's a little bit different, right? Yeah. Like, uh, so I I'm kind of curious.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a fair. Everybody, I mean a lot of people are curious about San Francisco in the the news a lot, and in the entire San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley, of course. Rusty's a little got a little more expertise on the Silicon Valley. I am a San Francisco native, born and raised here. It's where I've done all my ministry all my life. I will say that uh, San Francisco is a unique environment to do ministry. If I were to make an analogy to a field that you work in. Um, I would call it a field that has many rocks in it. Mm. It's full of rocks. And uh, you have to be okay. You just can't scatter seed and expect it to grow. It, it, it requires a different kind of nurturing. I look at it like a call as a missionary. And I'm sure that more and more of America is becoming like that. I don't think it's unique to San Francisco. San Francisco t- tends to be a, a kind of unique um, urban you know, I will say it's, it's an influence. It has a high leverage of influence, both in the arts and uh, politically. Uh, it, it does, and it sets a tone culturally often for the nation, and not always in a good way. But it is a mission field, yeah. and it's the place of where I've been called uh, to live and operate. And as long as I've viewed it through the lens of being a missionary, I've been able to do fine. Uh, the minute I see it, other than that, uh, a spirit of anger could easily come upon me. Um, I can disconnect from my responsibility of of loving the city, which has not always been easy for me to do. Sure. So i i i can I can speak more, but at least that's the beginning of an answer for you. Yeah, me that's there. great.
0: Now, uh, Rusty, I'm I'm an- interested to hear your thoughts specifically Silicon Valley, but I would also be remiss if I did not note for the listening audience what a big Purdue guy you are, (laughs) especially given the fact (laughs) that Ohio state plays Purdue this weekend at Purdue. And every Ohio state, every Ohio state coach loses one game at Purdue Uh in the, in the last three coaches, this has happened. And so I, you know, as being a big Ohio state fan, because that's the best pro team in Ohio, um, like <laughs> uh, so the, I, Ohio State the Ohio State <laughs> University. Um, so I, I wanted to give everybody a little bit of context that you haven't always been in Silicon Valley. You're a big Purdue guy, but also you're sure. doing like you're double ministering to kind of uh, Silicon Valley as a Christian in San Francisco. So w- what are your thoughts on the, the ministry field uh, and how it kind of all connects?
1: Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for the shout out to my Boilermakers. I was I happened to, to have the honor of being there in 2018. When mm-hmm. the big upset number two, Whew, took you That guys was a down. tough one. <laughs> tough one. <laughs> that was, was fun. That was fun. That was fun. Um, so I moved I moved to Silicon Valley um, out here um, 25 years ago. Uh, in fact, coming up uh, mm-hmm. the anniversary at the end of this month, I started my wow. job at Electronic Arts. And uh, just to give context to that. That was the same year that Google was funded wow so so you know sometimes we think, wow, you know these these tech companies they've been around forever, well, not really you know um so i mo- I moved here, and um you know one of the first things that my wife and I started to think about was uh you know where would we where would we go to church you know we're, we're, and and we looked around and the you know the churches were. Okay. They were okay. There were some good churches here and there. there, you know. Um but we were we were looking for something and I guess which what we called it back then was very much what what felt like the Willow Creek churches were. Um, something of a seeker friendly yeah. that um that, that felt uh, in tune with what the culture of the community of, of the area would be as well at the same time be excellent with music and arts, and which I care a lot about, visual and performing arts. And, and it was very, very, very fortunate um, to have stumbled, really, literally stumbled upon Cornerstone. Um, we just happened to be driving around and see a long line out on a, uh, a weekend afternoon, uh, and i I look at this long line of people and they're, they're all cool and hip looking. And I'm like, what is that?
0: What's mm. that?
1: And, um, and I said to my wife, cause I, I'm a little bit uh, like the guy that, uh, what Victor Hugo always says the most, he always said the, the most interesting thing is the sound on the other side of the wall. You know, so I'm one of those guys, you know, like what's the other side of the wall what's over there. And, um, you know, I said to my wife, I said, "There's something going on there. That look, look at the, look at those people." And then the next day, there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle about the Generation X Church um, being Cornerstone, and it happened to be one of Cornerstone's um, uh, media and arts presentations that they were doing for Easter. And and uh, we went back and visited, and never went anywhere else. But uh, I digress. So let me let me tell you what it felt like when. When I first moved here, when I first moved here, um, the idea of speaking about your faith, just in, especially particularly in the workplace, you just didn't do it. I mean, it was the same as you didn't talk politics. You know, you, um, you didn't talk in, in the workplace. Believe it or not, for those of us uh, listening that are not that are that are not old enough to remember, there was a time when we did not talk politics in the workplace, um, and religion was the same way. So you didn't talk about your faith. Um, but things began to change. And I think the, thing, the reason that things began to change is because Silicon Valley, now including San Francisco, because that's the redefinition from San Francisco all the way, all the way down the valley, um, is, f- is filled with innovators. innovators are people who are creative they are people who are are looking outside of themselves and and looking outside of of where they are to say what could be next and they're futurists and they're they're designers and and they're they're artists which was kind of like what we understood athens to be at one time right in greece and what Occurred in Athens, the same thing I think has is, is happened here, which is people bego- start to begin to think outside of themselves and outside, and, and they and they start to look for well, what's my purpose? What's my meaning? And as as times changed, and there was a there was a moment, and the moment was when um, a group from Google, a, a Jewish group, wanted to convene. They wanted to have a faith group at Google. And Google said, no, you can't have a faith group. And they said, but wait a minute. You have all these other social groups. You have all these identity groups that I can belong to, either ethnically or social orientation or sexual orientation. So, but, so why can't I have a faith group? And they were like, uh, we're not really sure what to do with that. And, and, and those employees said, well, you know, we could sue you for that if we wanted to. And Google said, "Well, we don't want that," and they said, "Of course." So you can you can have your faith group, and that was the beginning of of this opening up that allowed us to have these employee resource groups that were faith based. And the next thing you know, we, you you turn around and you see very large organizations like um, Faith Force at Salesforce. We see um, worship time at Dropbox in the mornings you know you, you see all these other companies were doing that and i would argue and my the, I, I i co-host a, a podcast as well called the faith driven entrepreneur and henry kasner uh and william norval and henry is uh the faith driven ministries guy uh, amazing amazing guy and he makes the argument and i agree that the center of faith and work integration today in the world is silicon valley why wow. That that this missionary field that that Terry talked about, that's been toil that, that that people have toiled and tilled and turned, um, has allowed us now to be able to express our faith in the workplace um, in a defined way, but in a way that you're you know you you don't have to be feeling like oh I, I got to keep my mouth shut all the time, and you know the the other thing I'll just say and then I'll shut up is is that. A lot of tech companies start with purpose and mission, values and principles. Sure. And so how do you talk about purpose and mission and values and principles if your purpose and mission and values and principles are faith-based and, and, and you, you don't bring that forward? And so there's an authenticity that is appreciated, not only by, by employees, by investors, by partners and customers, that when someone speaks of their purpose and mission and values and principles and say, that's informed by my faith – that authenticity is actually gives people credibility. So I, I would just, you know, I will, I will say that, uh, there's a bit, there, there's a bit of a revival going on in Silicon Valley.
0: I love it. I love it. And I, I my heart is burdened for disciple making. And that's the kind of stuff that I think can happen so beautifully inside the workplace. And it's just one-on-one and one-on-two and it's Jesus style, disciple making. And, that's another podcast for another time. but let me let me um, push this conversation forward a little bit because you you guys are both coming from very different worlds, and writing a book is hard writing a book with someone else is even harder. And so uh, tell me a little bit about, and Terry will let you start. Tell me a little bit about the the love story, so to speak, between you two guys and how <laughs> how troll. you're like, oh, let's <laughs> let's write a book about the faith code and uh, develop a framework and applying it and building it and testing it. And what does that mean and look like? How, how did this, um, how did it has to come from God? Something like this, a project like this only comes from God. How did it, uh, how was it born between the two of you? Uh,
2: wow. I do hope that uh, what you just said is indeed the case, That it is the Lord-inspired. Uh, I do want to go back. I'll answer your question as best as I can in a second. Yeah. I do want to go back and say, you know, connected to something Rusty said, so many, so many years have passed since we were the... Uh, the um, a cool and young church. Now we're the uncool and the old church. So I just want to make that really clear. Uh, that gives I think, a little bit more. We're not all like Rusty. Uh, he, we're, not, we're, not, we're, we're a little different. Uh, I'll throw myself in the everyday Joe category. Um, yeah, I don't go to Purdue. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I'll just go back here for a moment, answer your question. I mean, this is part of, I think, even this that exchange right there is part of the story. It, we we come from different different worlds, but at the same time there's this huge commonality. One of the things about Rusty that I love the most is, you know, he loves he, he understands the world of technology. One of the things the Faith Co. book will do, by the way, in addition to the principles of, of the scripture, the teachings of Christ, leadership things that are talked about, life application stuff, which is it's full of, it will also give you a working knowledge of certain basic Technical technology term terminology things like coding and, th- and such really helpful in that regard. But Rusty and I come from different perspectives, but we forged a relationship over the years that was um, it wasn't just a pastoral relationship with me pastoring him. It was a friendship. Uh, I had a respect for him because of the experiences that he had in the marketplace, both as a, a significant. Uh, you know, player in technology. And, you know, he, he had a great role in EA, as he mentioned. He was PepsiCo before that, HR guy there. Uh, but then he also, I watched him transition into a CEO responsibility and uh, also involvement in the arts. I, and I'm not trying to make this a bio on Art Rusty, I'm just giving some context to the answer. And uh, all of those things overlap with many of my passions. And, of course, I have a a pastoral heart. I have a a heart of, of, like I said, a missionary in this city. And I think we forged the relationship first. We had another brother uh, named David Brickner, who was part of our little coffee uh, accountability crew. And, uh, you know, he he works with Jews for Jesus. He's their executive director, and that's an international ministry that is actually... (laughs) Right now, at the time of this recording, immersed in, you know, everything that's going on in Israel and uh, Gaza. But that relationship is what forged these concepts over the years and allowed them to ferment to a point where we we finally got to a point where we we tried a few things. Uh, We did a series uh, together and we thought, you know what, in the right scenario, this could be a blessing and it could actually be the foundation framework for for a book. And so that's kind of the beginning um, catalyst for the faith code. And it, it, it was forged out of that relationship and the, the different backgrounds that we were coming together. I go, I could bring in a lot of things from a biblical perspective, a lot of things that have to do with relationship and leadership work. You can bring things in from the marketplace. There's overlaps, of course. Um, Rusty has a lot to say. About just you know real world engagement with our faith, um, so yeah, created a, it. It was either something that's going to be a blessing to a lot of people, or some people are going to go, ah, <laughs> you know, that's not for me. You know, but for those who it hits with, it'll it'll overlap into a unique space, Tony. Th- that space has to do with the idea of having a biblical grounding, leadership informed approach, but at the same time, real accessibility in the marketplace and the workplace. The challenges around technology.
0: Hey guys, just pausing this conversation with Terry and Rusty to remind you to sign up for our newsletter. That's right. The Life and Leadership newsletter comes out every single week. It's designed to help bring you some deep thoughts about what it means to walk with integrity as you lead others. You can go to our website, follow the number two, leadcoaching.com. We've got a quiz for you to fill out about uh, evaluating where you are in your walk. And if there's anything I can do to help you with that, please don't hesitate to let me know. Now let's finish up this conversation with the authors of the Faith Code.
1: Go back to go back to your uh, first question about calling. Let me, let me tell you something that I felt called to do, and uh, and it relates to your question here. Is I felt called a long time ago. I'm a church guy. I love church. I think church, you know, is uh, is so important, and I I, I it, it really bothers me when I see people who go, oh, you know what, I don't really need to go to church. I you know I can. I can have a good fellowship with the Lord, you know, on my own. And, you know, I got some buddies and we, you know, yeah, we, we pray over our golf game on Sunday. I mean, you know, it just, it, it that doesn't work for me. Right. I, I think that that's, that that's not what the scripture tells us that we're supposed to do. So I'm a church guy. Um, i I've, I've felt called over the years to say, look, I get a front row seat in this technology world. I get mm. to see because of the people that I hang with and the companies that I interact with, I get to see not only what's happening now, but I get to see what's coming and try to figure out how can I take that and be somewhat of a Rosetta stone and say, how do I translate that to those that could use that technology that might not see it for years to come. But if, if they get a preview of it, they might be able to be ahead of the curve and to be able to be in a church Um, with Terry as the pastor who is open to those things, it's been a real blessing for me, and it's allowed me to be able to, I I remember years ago going to Indiana Indiana Wesleyan University and speaking to, I don't know, there must have been 150 pastors there about digital church, what digital church was going to look like. And, you know, there were a lot of eyes that glazed over. They're like, oh, come on, you know. And then I remember, you know, bringing that back, you know, and talking to Terry and his staff about it and going, oh, well, maybe not now, but in the future I can see some of those things happening. And one of those things was like, you know, maybe someday there'll be a thing called an online campus and we need an online pastor for something like that, right? And, you know, now look what's happened, you know, post-pandemic, you know, what churches have had to do to adapt and, you know and have online campuses with online pastors. So, I'm not saying I'm prophetic. I'm just saying that I got it I get a chance to do that and and to see those things and then try to bring it back to the church. And this concept of the faith code that re, that grew out of this me seeing the beginnings of what was going to happen with platforms and applications because, you know, really, it hasn't been that long ago, because we're just only 20 years that we've had this thing in our pocket called the iPhone, you know, that an application showed up after that, that I began to speak about, are you building your life as a platform or an app? Mm. And I actually went back to Purdue, and I gave this talk. And it really resonated, because people were going, wait a minute, I understand a platform, a platform and a framework. That's dependable. That's consistent. Mm. You know, that's something that you can build on that, um, You know you can rely upon, and these apps. Oh yeah, I get that too because they come, they go, they they crash, they get wonky. You know they and and, and which one am I? Am I building my life as a platform or building my life as an app? And 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 it resonated with people, and you know I shared that with Terry and David, and you know those are seeds. And over time, we did a 12 part series on life apps. Where he, where, where he taught and I did video segments, and then that evolved into wow, we've done all this work. We should turn it into a book, you know. And then it's, and, now, and, now, and here we sit, and and it's a long-winded answer, but I also want to encourage those who are listening. I know, I know we have pastors and we have non-pastors. Um, the relationship that can be forged between someone in the marketplace and someone in the ministry. That one plus one can equal three mm. is a powerful thing. And too many entrepreneurs that I know um, and business people go, well, they don't speak my language. They wouldn't listen anyway. I'm not going to do it. You know, and, and we get hesitant. And, we're, and as entrepreneurs, we're like, well, we're, we're disruptive. We're the ones that are supposed to you know, change the world quickly. And you know, they don't move fast enough. And so instead, we just sit there and we don't bring our, our skills, our talents, our experiences to the ministry place. And I will tell you that there are pastors who, while they say I want business people to come forward, you know, they don't understand what they're talking about when they do come forward, right? And so, you know, there's this gap that happens, and yet they both coexist, but but if we can put them together, amazing things can happen. And I believe that, you know, the calling, the calling of Terry and I both to have had our time together, our relationship to continue to explore and to take what we see on the front, front lines of technology and say, how can we apply those principles and metaphor to something that ultimately ended up the faith code is because the two of us were able to forge that relationship.
0: One of the things that I really appreciate about the book is that, uh, and as a podcaster, I get to see uh, a lot of books. So this is super fascinating to me. This is the first book I've ever seen that has something that resembles a schematic in there as it pertains to how we follow and listen and hear from Jesus, right? And, and there's a, a couple of pages where the the framework is kind of laid out, and there's the hearing and the doing part, and it's all kind of lined together in the boxes. and um, and, and it kind of led me to a question for both of you, which is how do you discern— um, God's voice in your life. And and Rusty, we'll start with you. Do you see it more as a schematic or how, how do you, I'm just kind of curious about that process for you. How do you discern what's God's voice and what's not?
1: Oh, I wish it was an algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, if it was an, if it was an algorithm that, uh, that I could, you know, just, you know, hit my button and every single day, I it was just you know that clear um, that that would be great. That's not how it works for me. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, um, God's God's word and and what God is speaking to me is revealed because I am intentionally looking for it. Right. So I intentionally look for it, and it's more of a journey and a process than it is for me a, a, a schematic. You know, I, I have to. I have to seek God's word in His in, in His word in the Scripture mm-hmm. and intention, intentionally, you know, read and study the Bible, looking for well, God, what are you trying to say to me about this? And then I have to go listen to Terry and others, you know, and say, what are you trying to say to me, God, about this? And then I in, fe- in fellowship, you know, ask others for advice. Why is advice mm-hmm. and counsel? What do, you know? What do you think God is saying to me about this? And, you know, when those all come back together and I trust and surrender to the Holy Spirit, you know, I will get a sense that that's what God is speaking to me about. Right. So like even before, so I I mentioned I did this faith driven entrepreneur podcast um, and with Henry and William, you know, this idea came um, and I said, you know, guys, before I commit to this, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. I'm going to ask you to go talk to my two accountability partners. I want you to talk to Terry and David and sit down with them. And I want their opinion. And they met with them. And they came back and said, I think these are good guys. And I think that you know, if you commit to this, that would be really good, you know, and I came back to those guys and said, you know, hey, these are my brothers, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you think my brothers, you know, and they're like, Oh, rusty, you know, you should listen to what they say. Right. And so I i look at it and say that there's multiple ways. It's a little bit like, um, now I'm going to, I'm going to, you're, you're going to laugh at this, but you know, I'm going to reference Indiana basketball uh, as a, as a Purdue guy, Uh, you know, Bobby Knight for all his faults, Bobby Knight used to um, run a motion offense. And he said, you know, you do not shoot the ball without passing it four times. Yeah. And if you shot the ball before you passed it four times, he would sit you down. He didn't care. He would just sit you down. And so You know, I think discerning God's will for me and what I hear I'm hearing God say is, I pass that ball.
0: Mm. You know, I I want
1: those touch points. I want those four, four minimum of four touch points. One being the word and prayer, and you know all those things. Each one of those are touch points, so that I can do the best I can to discern what God's saying to me.
0: Pastor Terry, what about you? How do you discern God's voice in the work that you've been called to do?
2: I mean. I will say that uh, part of it is—I'm going to use these two words. To, to, I hope they don't mislead anyone. It's both science and art. It's both sure. inspiration. And um, there's a component of it that creates a greater likelihood of the Lord—well, let's say this, of us being able to hear when the Lord is speaking. Mm. The, there is a need for framework. Uh, We talk about the framework. A big part of our book, Faith Code, is framework-oriented. It has to do with setting the stage for things to happen, right? We talk about, uh, there's a quote that I use, give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I can move the world. It's from Archimedes, uh, that engineer and mathematician the idea being of course which is very similar to what jesus said when he talked about if you have faith the the, the grain the size of a grain of a mustard so you can move a mountain i mean this idea if you have a place to stand that's foundational and uh, something that can leverage out uh, think your your capacities you can see extraordinary things happen how does that relate to hearing the lord I think we do need to have frameworks, rhythms. We talk about the power of rhythm. We talk about rhythms of grace. We talk about living the intentional life. We talk about the growth imperative. It's the second part of our book, which has to do with building. Those frameworks is, is what allows for the art to take place or allows for us to have greater clarity to hear the Lord when he's speaking. A lot of times the Lord is speaking. I'm just not hearing him. Mm. I have so much noise. Pa- the Apostle Paul said this. He said, there are many voices, none of them without significance. There's m- a lot of noise out there, and there's a lot of stuff in front of us. And we know that now more than ever in our digital world. And uh, we're, we're inundated now. More and more things coming at us. So how do I hear the Lord? I, gotta, I have to carve out space. I'm going to have to do, like, I, the foundational things are required. The disciplines that allow for the Lord And his words, to be more clarified, occur out of an intention on our part. You talked about discipleship, Tony, at the beginning. Well, that's a key component of discipleship. I mean, we are going to have to, a disciple, discipline, there's a component of this that I'm going to have to exercise the choice to create space for God to move in his his grace. And that's how I can hear him better. It's very hard to hear the Lord when we're... We've got a ton of stuff flying around in our mind. And it's very difficult to get clarity when we're dispersed. So learning to create that intentional zone is a key component. And then just sitting with this word in the multitude council, there is safety. There's a lot of principles, but it starts by some choices we make on the front end. It's also both end.
0: Very well stated, uh, both you guys. I'm curious as this book now makes its way into the wilderness and um, the people are, are picking it up, and it's it's uh, convicting, but also um, it's kind of fun to watch the interaction between you guys. And it's a, a very engaging book. W- what is your prayer specifically that we can come alongside you for the for the reader that's going to pick this book up? So we're going to if somebody's picking up this book, what's what should we be praying for the person? Who has this book in their hands?
2: Oh, that's a good, that's a great question. I'm grateful you asked it. My, my mind would be that that listener would be, or reader would be provoked, agitated in a good way, um, stirred to be more open to the principles and teachings of Jesus the transformative foundational absolutely essential teaching of Christ the rock on which all else is built that they would be drawn like it's a very disarming book it has a lot of components to it that can meet different people at different places in their lives some if there's a personal interpersonal side to this there's a workplace side to this there's uh you know a principle based approach to even understanding technology, all those things are factors. But if I were to say the primary thing, my, my hope, my yearning, my prayer, what I would love people to pray about is that people who maybe are seekers or who have a degree of interest, uh, in improvement would be, would be drawn to the missional message of what this book is offering. It was submitting, opening, Mm -hmm. it's coming with humility, uh, and asking people who maybe aren't aren't necessarily oriented completely to Christ uh, to be able to explore what Jesus teaches us in in ways that maybe we're new. So it becomes a tool. I'm hoping it'll be a tool. I'm praying that it will be a tool for people in the marketplace to be able to share with those who maybe have nominal faith come from a very unchurched background, uh, have a desire to start growing, getting better. Hey, have you checked this out? And in, in, in it, what ends up happening is you get exposed to elemental teachings of Christ. Yeah. So that's my my goal, that prayer for that to have life in it. Like the very seed that we talk about when it's put into the ground, first the blade, then the ear, then the corn, in the ear, there would come a progression, an evolution of faith in the hearts of some people, men and women, who would open it up and read it.
0: Talk about so good. it in a small group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Rusty, what about um, you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said, Terry. Um, well, I, I have said many times through the process of, this, of putting a book together, and if anybody's ever tried to write a book and, and, and find a publisher and, get up and then work with a publisher and do things like come up with a book cover, you know, so many times you want to go, just throw it up in the air and go, why are we doing this? This is crazy. <laughs> I've said, so, I, 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 and Terry will say, I've said, look, if, if it changes one person's life, yeah. If the kingdom is expanded by one person, then it was all worth it. One person comes to know Christ through this book, it, it was all worth it. And, you know, that, that's, the, that's the source prayer for me, right, is that th- that happens. And then beyond that, you know, I, I think God has given us such an amazing opportunity to have an abundant and flourishing life and we and we and we write about it in the faith code that it is there it's there if we plug in to his source code if we if we if we have this framework and and our faith code is what drives us throughout 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 our life he has something for us that when it's all said and done you know we will have we will have done and experienced the best of this life and that's my prayer for the book, is that somebody will pick up and they'll just get, even if it's one little thing out of it, you know, that, that leads them towards this more abundant and more flourishing life, um, then I think we did our job. I think, I think we did what uh, what God asked us to do.
0: Amen. Uh, Okay, I have one more question for you guys. Uh, But before I ask it, I know that my listeners, podcast family, they're going to want to connect with you guys all over the interwebs. Where is the best place to learn all things uh, faith code and what God is doing through Terry and Rusty?
1: So we we have a website. It's thefaithcode.com. So the name of the book, Faith Code, The Faith Code, thefaithcode.com. That's a place to plug into the book and to and to plug into us, Um, and uh, you know we encourage people to go there and take a look, and um, you know and I'll tell I'll tell you something else that that, that's helpful, um, not only for the book but I think for us is you know when you when you read the book, whether you like it or you don't like it, we'd love for you to review it, sure, because um, you know I think people. In today's world, you know, they, they go, well, is this is this something that I should explore or not explore? What do other people think? Uh, and, you know, just be authentic and and honest in your reviews. Um, but, you know, that would be really helpful for us because, you know, we're reading them as well. Uh, but, yeah, plug into us with thefaithcode.com, and that's where to find us. And then, you know, you can obviously Google either one of us and, you know, find plenty of stuff about us as well.
0: Okay, guys, uh, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question. Um, and I'm going to ask you to go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, except I get to name the season of life that you're in. Mm. And so uh, I'm going to ask you guys, uh, I, I was thinking about, man, where, where do your stories both intersect? Where are the moments that you guys showed up at kind of the same place And so I I know it didn't happen on the same day, but I'm going to ask you to go back in time to the very first day, the end of the very first day where you walked on campus at your local church there in San Francisco, right? If you could go back in time and sit knee to knee with that younger version of yourself, look him in the eyes, hold his hands, and give him one piece of advice about the journey that God was going to put him on. What's the one thing you're going to tell them? Let's let's start with you, Pastor Terry.
2: Uh, if I could do, that's kind of a, what would you do if you had to do it over again? Question as well. Um, yeah, maybe. You know, has an element to that. Or uh, one, I would say, stay the course. Hmm. Um, through the winds of change, seasons shift people hurt us, we hurt people. Don't get bitter. Uh, Stay soft before Jesus. Um, Run the race with patience that is set before you. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Hold the line. People need islands of stability, and you're meant to be one of them. So be faithful. Do your best by grace. Hold the line. Stay optimistic. Keep growing.
0: I love that. That's so good. All right, Rusty, what about you? Um,
1: my advice to that younger self would have been to be way more courageous with your faith. Hmm. Um, and I, I, would t- I would tell you that uh, I lost many years that uh, people that I've worked with, that I've known, that wouldn't have any idea that I was a believer follower mm. of Jesus, we just wouldn't have known. And it wasn't because, you know, and I look, I, I, I'm far from perfect. So there was probably plenty of times where people would have looked at me and said, uh, oh, well, his actions, they would be diametrically opposed, you know, to what I thought, you know, somebody who said that they they were a believer would be. Um, but, you know, I think I missed a lot of years and a lot of opportunities uh, that that God actually had placed me in places of influence, that had I been more courageous, um, I would have uh, I would have made more of an impact. And you know, I, I guess I get to answer to that at some point uh, for that. But you know, there there, I, I'm just so happy, you know, in my own life that the, mo- the moment I, I flipped that switch, and it was actually when I became a CEO, because when it, I became a CEO. Uh, The buck stopped with me. I was the shadow of the leader that other people were looking to 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 aspire to be. And well, if I if if I want to be that someday, I've got to be like that guy. Um, That that's when I flipped the switch and said, "Hey, you know." And I I heard God say, "If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it." And but I wish I'd done that earlier. I wish I had.
0: Amen. That's a good word, guys. Uh, I'm very thankful for the generosity of time today and for the work that you guys are doing to build the kingdom. Thank you guys so much for being so generous with all that you guys have. Man, what a fun conversation with two really smart guys. I love the way they talked about staying the course, about disciple and discipline. A lot of the things that I really enjoy, they're on board with. (laughs) So, you know, that's always a fun conversation with me when people enjoy talking to me about the things that I enjoy talking about. So anyway, guys, I'm so thankful for you. Thankful for these two incredible authors. Follow them on LinkedIn or on Instagram. It always helps when the authors feel the love. Well, guys, that's it for me today. Thank you guys so much for all that you do to support the podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. As always, I'm incredibly easy to find at TWMilt on Instagram, LinkedIn. Follow the number two, leadcoaching.com, my website, And remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move.